What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno Podcast. I'm your host, Shane McNeely. And just a reminder, Crazy Face Uno is inspiring others to do good, make a difference in our local and global community. And I'm very excited today to introduce to you uh, a friend, an adventurer, Thomas Moore. Welcome, Thomas. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Super pumped to have you on. Uh, So just to give you a preview of what's to come, we're going to be talking about a trip, a little climb that Thomas did. Uh, He recently made the climb up Denali. Um, But first, let's get a little background on you, Thomas. You're an entrepreneur. Cool, yeah. Would you Um, describe yourself as an entrepreneur? Yeah, uh, entrepreneur, small business owner. Yeah, um, yeah I uh, essentially, before I was an entrepreneur, uh, I was a government contractor for a few years, and then a friend of mine opened a uh, an escape room in Lexington, Kentucky, and basically talked me into getting out of government contracting Yeah, uh, to come back to Atlanta um, and open a, a, a uh, an escape room there. We actually had two in Atlanta and then one in Greenville, South Carolina. And I guess that was in 2015. Sweet, yeah. The okay. end of 2015, and we just kind of wrote, you know, got them open quickly, and then we've just been riding that out since. Yeah, that's awesome. I know we've talked a lot about that, and you're, uh, you've got your, your hands on a few different projects, which is really cool, and... Um, yeah, it's been really cool to get to know you. We met for the first time, what was it, almost a year ago now. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, like, this re- month. Yeah, I was going to say, it is this month, yeah. Um, we met, met about a year ago at an event that we worked in Dallas, Texas, um, and ended up getting to know you, Thomas, and it's been really cool to kind of keep that friendship i guess in a sense uh alive and and stay in touch and uh keep up with your life it's been pretty cool so yeah man i appreciate you um, coming on and being willing to tell your story today too yeah no problem it's my pleasure so let's just get into it i, I kind of brought it up denali um yeah it's, it's the highest point in the u.s man it's uh it's in alaska um it's either called Denali or Mount McKinley. Mount McKinley, um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I actually can't remember how high it is. It's like twenty thousand feet. Yeah, you're about. That's it's like twenty thousand one hundred fifty-six, I think. Or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I brought up the uh, the old Googles before. I thought for sure that I was like, man, I gotta know a little bit about <laughs> this as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, the first descent was june 7th 1913 Gosh. oh and it does so say the elevation yeah. is 20,308 so yeah prominence that was close so yeah, yeah whatever uh yeah, yeah highest point in north america um i guess prior to that I've, I've climbed the highest point in africa and which is kilimanjaro yeah in tanzania <clears throat> and then the highest point in south america uh, which is Aconcagua, and that's like, it's technically in Argentina, but it's on the border of Argentina and Chile. 
Yeah, so, that's um, awesome. So this is your third like big climb. It's the third of the seven summits, and okay, easily the second hardest. Um, possibly the hardest workload, but it's sure. just not as high as uh, uh, Everest. So, yeah, right, right. So uh, when did you decide to go, and what did that look like? Like when, like was it you and some friends, or was you just your ambition to to start climbing, or? I uh, I have a friend who is into doing crazy things, and uh, <laughs> I got one of those so too. I have to go back. To, yeah, <laughs> I have to go back to uh, to Kilimanjaro sure. to, to fully explain it. So essentially, um, he called me. His name's Josh. Josh calls me and he's like, "Hey, we need a tenth person to climb, or to to join the group to get a discount to fly, and also a discount with the with the group to climb." So. Yeah. We're at nine. We have five weeks until we're climbing. Would you yeah. be up for it? And I was just in a, at a point where like, I just wasn't challenged or just wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing, essentially. Yeah. The escape rooms are running. It's great. Business is great, but I needed something else. And so uh, I got off the phone with him and then thought about it for like five minutes and then called back. <laughs> It's like, dude, five weeks doesn't seem like a lot of time, but I think I can do this. And so <laughs> he ushered me in. And uh, during that climb, it was a, a seven-day climb. I cannot remember the route that we took, but sure. during that climb, the whole way through, like I'm not a skinny dude, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty big. Not, not really like I wouldn't say fat, but husky. <laughs> But uh, I am, like, doing really, really well. So, like, at each point after the second day, they start checking, like, how much oxygen your body's taking yeah. in and how well you're just, like, physically doing. So all the checks, I'm just, like, dominating. Like, I always have the highest oxygen levels. Um, and, and those checks are, like, because of elevation. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, they're, they're checking to see... Um, there's like a little finger test that they'll, it's like a little machine that they'll put on yeah. your finger and just, it tells Testing how much oxygen it's pumping. Yeah. yeah, you're taking in. And so I, I'm always like in the top two. Um, nice. And, and, you know, as it's going, I'm So the higher, the better? Yeah, well, yeah, the higher. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not around, like at 16,000 feet, I remember I was at like 96%, which could have been a mistake. But it was also like oh, okay. so pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'm, what I'm is like it like on really if, well. in your day to day like normal like in Atlanta where you live? Like what's I mean your... it's gonna be at like a hundred or ninety nine percent. Okay. Yeah. So like that's so your... I'm like got it. Doing really well. Like everyone around me is at like, you know, ninety three, ninety four. Sure. There's a couple people who are in the eighties, the older guys and stuff, but yeah, yeah I'm just like doing really well. So it's, it just kinda like opened me up to like I'm, I'm, I don't look like everyone else, but like I'm fine. I do really I'm good. Well at, yeah, yeah, dude. I'm doing well at high elevation. And I've yeah. never been to sixteen thousand feet. That was the highest I'd ever been in my life. And uh, you know, from there, you, you from sixteen, you make a summit push to nineteen, which is the top of uh, Africa. And so, yeah, I just did really well. So I do well going up. I don't do so well walking down. Okay. Um, just that's like that's the like re yeah, like reintegration <laughs> basically. Well, no, it's just like a technique to walking down. Oh. They call it scree. It's called scree, but it's like loose gravel. And it's deep, uh, loose gravel. And you have to like 
sort of ski down it. And I've never been skiing. At that point, I'd never been in snow higher than my knees. It was just a mess. I, I flipped probably three, four <laughs> times going down. That's but, scary. Yeah, it was, it was extremely painful, but I made it to the, you know, back to 16,000 camp and just amazed at like five weeks of training. My body did really well. And this could be something that I'm good at. That's awesome. And so um, that push to Aconcagua, I'm, I essentially am following my friend Josh's schedule. He's, he's like adamant about doing all seven summits. Um, and so the highest points on all seven continents. And I, I mean, I started out just, just following. Like I, I'm along for the ride. I'm a yes man, so I'll say yes yeah. and try and beat you up the up the mountain. Exactly. <laughs> this um, is why we get along so well because yeah. <laughs> we got that competitive nature within us. Yeah, there's a little bit of competitiveness, and yeah. like it's you also get to see like oh, that's kind of weird, but you get to see like you do well as other people are like crumbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes you can make you feel good. I don't good. know how to explain that. <laughs> no, yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm a good person, I promise. But, yeah, but, you uh, are. <laughs> yeah, so so we pushed through Aconcagua, and I did really well going up again. Just sucked going down. It's the most pain I've ever been in my life. Yeah, um, going down was just a nightmare. You're carrying like seventy pounds Oof. down loose volcanic rock, and it's just—I mean, I fell so many times. And yeah. to make it worse, everybody else is just like running past me, like it's free. You just have to kind of slide down and they're like explaining it and it's just not working i'm just like flipping <laughs> so and then the last day out because you have to it takes two days to get out of aconcagua so the last day out you're just carrying 70 pounds over like river rock oh. so you know my ankles are all busted up yeah my heels had been like torn apart by my boots and it's just a mess but going yeah. up i was like such a champ so well and 70 pounds of just dead weight too is is yeah it's, it's just brutal awful. that's brutal Every step is like calculated. It, man, it was such a mess. Like that was the part that I was not prepared for. Like I, my legs were prepared for going up. Yeah. Not prepared for going down. Yeah. So, and you wouldn't think that it'd be as hard necessarily, but yeah. It's but like yeah. Just walking out. But, yeah. But it's it's hard. Yeah. So that was my first experience with um, altitude sickness as well. Like the okay. very top of Aconcagua, it's twenty three thousand feet or 22.8, I believe, and I got my first taste of, like, dopingly. I just felt super dopey. Yeah. It's so weird. I felt like I was high, essentially, and so, like, as I'm going up, because it started at around, like, 20,000 feet, and sure. I still have, like, 22.8 to go, and so, like, the last few hours, I just don't even remember. It just happened. Really? So yeah, I made it to the top, and I told my, uh, <laughs> I told the guides that you know, like, hey, I don't, I don't feel normal. Something's a little weird. <laughs> uh, one of the guys was just like, hey, uh, just kind of take a seat over there. You'll be okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> is that the top? Yeah, at the yeah. very top. So everybody's like celebrating, and I'm almost in the corner, like, like losing my mind. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> And I'm and I'm freaked out because I have seen people with AMS. Yeah. Like you, you have to. Yeah, it's no like, joke. As right? all this is happening, I'm like, am I about to die? And my guy just doesn't know it. Right. But, um. All that to say, 
you know, an hour later we started descending and it was a mess, an absolute mess for me to descend while having those symptoms, but I made it down safely and, you know, made it off the mountain. And even though like my pride had taken a beating yeah. because of the descent, I was just like, I can do this. Yeah. And also there's like a weird st- stat where the, there's only been one black American and he actually wasn't born in America to climb all seven summits. Oh, that's really cool. It's, yeah. It's kind of weird. There's not very many things that I know of. I mean, that's a challenge. If you yeah. can think of anything else, but like name something that a black person hasn't done. There's not that many. Like, yeah. So it's like the one thing where I'm like, I could beat him at this. Yeah. I could beat him in age and I mm. technically wasn't born in America, but yeah. I was born on a military base, which is technically America. So like, right. I can run for president and all that good stuff. We're good. So yeah, that's like stamping your stamping your name in the history books in a way. Dang right. That's so, cool. Uh, yeah, so after the second mountain, I was like, I'm going. I'm going for it. I'm going to follow Josh's schedule and, you know, figure out how to pay for these climbs and make it happen. So right. that leads me to Denali, um, Josh. So we climbed Aconcagua in January of 2019. It's yeah. kind of weird. And then Aconcagua, or sorry, Denali, uh, essentially was in June. So started okay. out, we were going to be in the same group. I did not have all my cash saved up and ready to roll. So that group filled up and I had to go in a second group. Okay. Like the week behind Josh. So I was, I mean, alone uh, in this group. And, and uh, I climbed to the company called Alpine Ascents out of Washington. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of showed up and, you know, do you want me to go through like the specifics of that? Yeah. What, I mean, what does that look like? So you, you, you're basically, is it like buying a package or is it, um, do you like, do you have to provide all your own gear? Can you buy that or rent that from people? Like how does that process work? Yeah. I mean, so, uh, with an outfit like, uh, Alpine Ascents, you can technically rent everything, but, sure. um, but obviously yeah, you're going to be doing list. this or you're doing, you know, one yeah. to do more than one, you know, you know so. One. So I, I had a lot of gear already from Aconcagua. Sure. And, uh, I was, yeah, so I rented a couple things, but it's good to go. So, I mean, they, they take you up in a, in a group of like 10 people, I think is the max three guides, 10 people. Um, that's what the, the like park services require. Um, okay. So you go with a group, you're like never alone. They kind of instruct you, and they're always leading the way. So there's uh, crevasses or it's just these big cracks in the ice, and so right, they're yeah. kind of helping you navigate okay. over the glaciers and stuff like that. So you're always following somebody. You can technically climb that mountain without a guide, okay. but I don't want to end up you know dead on the mountain. So Yeah, it doesn't seem like a good time, and... Yeah, I'd say it's always good to go with a buddy. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. So ten. <laughs> I paid to, to to join the group, and then you know, I started out nine of us uh, in this group: one female, eight dudes, um, three guides. They're all pretty hilarious dudes. Yeah, uh, and the girls as well. So you didn't know any you of know. these people either, though. You you'd met them for the nope. first time just then. I knew one of the guys. 
guides randomly because he's a late addition, but I climbed okay. Mount Baker in Washington. Okay, him. cool. Uh, and I was pretty pumped because the dude is hilarious, too. Yeah. So, yeah, we start climbing. Uh, well, essentially, like, you, get, you do a gear check. They make sure you have all the stuff you need. Your backpack's going to weigh, like, 70 pounds, 60 to 70 pounds. Yeah. And then you have to drag a sled with about 60 pounds. On you're top carrying, of that. Okay. Yeah, for that climb, you're carrying about 23 days' worth of equipment. Right. Like, food, fuel, the whole nine. So it gets a little uh, bit lighter as you go, but probably not a noticeable difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's two ways to go about that. So I guess that leads to my... Well, like, wait, hang on just a second. So what does your training look like before all of these? I know you said like your first one, you only had, what, five weeks? Is that what you said? Yeah, five weeks. So that was so short. What I, what I noticed, way to bring me back to that, what I noticed about my first climb... Um, so did I uh, did a little research and just figured out that altitude training could possibly help your body start producing red blood cells. And it seems like with climbing, it's a red blood cell game. Yeah. Essentially, you need your body to take as much oxygen as possible okay. to your head and heart uh, with, so you don't get sick. Yeah. Um, and so with that amount of time, you know, it was a ton of Stairmaster, but I knew if I could get out to Colorado game over like mm-hmm. i bought a few tickets like two tickets out to colorado springs just to kind of like accurate acclimate yourself to that elevation yeah, or a higher yeah, and yeah. a higher elevation i needed to send my body into like a panic mode yeah um so they have this thing in colorado springs called the incline and it's a like a snow bucket or i don't know what you call it maybe a trolley i've never been skiing so like the thing that brings you to the top of a mountain yeah what is that called i don't i don't do that very often either so um it's a lift right like a a lift yeah yes it's an old lift track so i said they took the buckets down and the 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 track down but they left the the stairs so you can climb 2,000 feet you start at 6,000 a little over 6,000 feet and you climb 2,000 feet in less than a mile to the very top and then you, you can hike down you know, four miles to the base. Yeah. And so I just started doing that. And it, like the first time I climbed the incline, you know, the day I arrived that day, I was hydrated, but I was just not ready for the elevation. And it's, it hurts so bad. Yeah. Like lightheaded, but too proud to stop. Sure. It's just so painful. So it was kind of a rude awakening, and I was there for a couple of days, so I went back the next day and just made it happen. And then I yeah, and then the headaches, out. right? Isn't did you get yeah. headaches? I didn't get very many headaches. Okay. When I wasn't like climbing. Okay. I would get them when I was like in the process of climbing. So sure. I knew that that worked for Kili, and I didn't do it for Akinpago. Okay. So for Denali, I was like, I'm flying out to to Denver and Colorado Springs at least three times. Yeah. And I'm going to carry heavy weight up this stupid mountain. <laughs> so that's what I did, man. I have like, you done? Uh, have you read or have you uh, done or know anything about Wim Hof and like his breathing techniques? Do you know uh, what I'm talking about? I don't. I know what pressure breathing is. Okay. And I use that all the time. Okay. Yeah, there's a guy named Wim Hof, and he. Um, there's several like YouTube videos about him. He's got a book. Um, 
anyway, he he's like he climbed Everest with like out a shirt on, without an oxygen mask. Like he he's got this breathing technique that's supposed to do a bunch of different things, and he he does like his own classes and training on whatever. So I was just curious if you had heard of him or had, no. had done any of that. Yeah, you should. I'm not opposed to it. So yeah, yeah that that could be that the out. next iteration. There you go. But, uh, yeah, to, to train, I, I just uh, I, I made those trips happen. So okay, yeah, trips that's... to Colorado, and then where I'm at in, in Georgia, there's a it's called Kennesaw Mountain. Um, it's not much. It's like you you go up a mountain, you start at low elevation and just climb. But yeah, essentially, I would carry 80 pounds in a backpack. Okay, that was made to carry 60. <laughs> so it just it just hurt because yeah. like the straps are just digging into your shoulders. And sure, I would just climb that. And, you know, four times in a, like, row. So I climb up, go back down, climb up, go back down. Yeah. Well, and then you're, like, even the discomfort, it's, like, getting you used to being uncomfortable. (laughs) In a sense. That was the thing that saved me. Like a mental toughness piece. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I'd climb, like, you know, or hike 10 miles or whatever and try and use as little water as possible just just to get my body used to, yeah. You know, moving without water, um, sweating, and the pain of a heavy backpack. Yeah. And so that ended up being the heavy backpack thing was oh, so freaking important because I I didn't have a sled. I sure. had not practiced with a sled. Yeah. And the first day, you know, you're you're actually going downhill the first day. Oh. But interesting. You're still dragging, you know, the weight, and it's it's just it's it's a hard process you know? yeah like you're actually using muscles that you didn't train to use and yeah so, great thing is i only had 60 pounds in my backpack so it kind of felt like there was nothing there sure it's just really just focused on you just had the pulling the of the sled yeah 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 so now right before or like even the the like moments leading up or the days leading up to this this hike to Denali and to these other hikes, what are you feeling? Like, are you like, is it excitement? Is it nervous? Is it like frantic trying to get your stuff together? Like, what are you, what are your emotions like before? Uh, I had a really good support system. Yeah. Or a support group. And so, um, yeah, they kind of helped me just get through the nervous part of it. Sure. Um, I'm pretty introverted and, I don't really like put my business out there yeah. like, via Instagram or anything. Yeah, so yeah. there's, it's a defense mechanism, I guess, but like there's a the part of like, I could fail because the weather on Denali is awful. Yeah. I've watched documentaries and you know, it bunch can of change quickly. And yeah. So like you can sit in your tent for two weeks straight and never make it to the top. Sure. Like, that's just the game. And so there's a part of me that didn't want to tell anyone that I was doing it. Yeah. Uh, the support system, my, my, my friends were like, you got, you got to get this out there. You need to tell people that you're climbing. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I gave up my Instagram account and kind of let, let them run it and, and, uh, just put myself out there. Yeah. That was a bit stressful, but I knew it was for the better. Yeah. And Um, it was really cool. Honestly, I mean. I didn't know until, you know, I saw the first picture, the first, you know, little update on your trip. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then every time the next one came up, I was like super pumped about it. And I'm sure other people felt the same way, but it's like you're rooting you on from from a distance, you know, like, oh, come on, like, keep going, keep going. 
and then yeah, I mean that was all Taylor. Taylor yeah, and the IG and and she she dominated like she, like everything that needed to get out there without me being like yeah, it was respectful of your of your feelings yeah. and respectful of you, yeah. but it was like informational about the difficulties, but also like what you had coming and like what the what you were looking. Yeah what the kind of she just framed it really well yep and and so there's a documentary that i watched um years back called an american ascent um it's about a team of nine black climbers that are that are trying to be the first like team to ever black team to ever summit denali so i don't want to ruin that but i mean it's been out for a little while right yeah, Spoil, yeah, spoiler alert. 2013. <laughs> they don't make it to the top, but the experience is amazing. But also, they don't make it to the top. Okay. And like, it's not all about the summits, but for the track that I'm on, I'm like, yo, uh, if I'm right. going to spend this money, like, I'm going to die trying. Like, i got to make it to the top. Right. And, and the, there's that weird, like, the experience can never be taken away from you, but you don't want it to be failure. But you kind of like have this, oh my gosh, I spent all this time on the mountain and didn't make it to the top. And yeah. I just don't want that to be a part of my story. And if right. it is, I don't want to have to share it with everyone because I'm, I'm just really guarded. So yeah. Taylor Which makes sense. I mean, that's that's a yeah. fair, I mean, that's a fair thing for, for you to like guard yourself from those things. And I mean, even I know that because you are an introverted person, we've had some, some talks about this. I know that even telling your story and telling this story right now is, is uncomfortable. And I really do appreciate that. And I want to say thank you for that. So, yeah, man. um, I know that that's a, a stretch sometimes to be able to just put yourself out there, but, um, you got a cool story, man. And, and I think it's even more as we get to unpack this a little bit, I think, uh, I'm just, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy that, that you, you're getting to share it with us and share it through this platform. So, again, thank you. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that was the, that was the initial feelings for, for, like, getting into, like, I'm about to, I have my flight, I'm flying to Alaska. Yeah. And it's on, it's game on. And so, in that, in that, like, respect, I'm also, like, even though I'm carrying all this weight and, I'm not, I don't look like your average climber. I will literally die trying. Like, it, there's not, yeah. unless I, like, snap my leg off or something like that, <laughs> I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yep. Uh, you can't really control weather. But outside right. of that, I'm going. And so, I mean, that was, yeah, that was just where the mindset was. When right you see, when you see some of these other um, adventures, climbers, that are pushing themselves to the limits and you know there's always stories of climbers that have you know died on on these different mountains or on these different difficult climbs and whatnot do you do you kind of like understand maybe what that was like or what their you know that drive to keep going or um does that like resonate at all with you or uh some of that's like like reading about like some of the polish climbers and uh german climbers that that have died it, they're pushing a, a different, like they're pushing envelope to a whole nother level. Sure, like it's just, yeah. Almost explorers they're creating in the sense. routes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. So their their path is a little different than mine. Yeah, I could not even like we're not in the same arena. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, you kind of take that and like realize the facts about what they're doing, and you know, avalanches are real, but like yeah. 
the path that they took. So it's more respect than anything of just pure, like, mad respect for the people that are going before you to kind of create the different routes and the different uh, ways. Okay, cool. Yeah. So basically you show up to the, is it, is it like at the mountain or do you go to this like outfitter? Um, uh, yeah, they have like a little hangar or warehouse okay. where it's in Talkeetna. Okay. Uh, so you show up, you get to Talkeetna, Alaska, you show up and lay your gear out on the floor and they just go through everything. Yeah. Like Denali has awful weather, so they have to make sure if it's, you know, negative 20, you're okay. And so they do a gear check load everything back up and then essentially you're getting everything ready for the plane because you have to fly in to the like you have to fly onto the glacier okay the glacier and so we do a gear check load it in the van they take it to the planes actually um i didn't fly on the first day so the weather was too bad for the planes to arrive so i believe this oh, is june 17th okay we're, we're waiting on the airfield and you know, we're just waiting for like six hours and they're like, there's no window. So we go back to the hotels, come back the next day and we're clear. So you load up in these little prop planes and fly to the Talkeetna Glacier. And that's where you spend the night, your first night, which is another key factor. So I didn't actually believe the guides when they said, don't bring a flashlight or a headlamp. But the sun never sets, and so... Oh, I didn't even think about that. It's so bright during the night, like... But, yeah, so you, you land on the glacier, get all your gear. Uh, like, right on the right on the glacier, you spend the first night. You set your tent up, spend the first night, and then around 4 o'clock, they're, they're trying to time it to where it's the coldest, so less likely to fall into a, um, a crevasse uh, yeah. as you as you walk so throw on your snowshoes and backpack tie yourself up to the sled and you start dragging that sucker to camp one now how Um, far is camp one do you remember uh it's not that far i feel like it's like around five miles maybe okay maybe not even that far once you get there then it's like the climb has started essentially yep it's like your starting point camp one's a spot you set up your tent um, we basically spent two days at Camp One. So the thing about um, Denali is you have to drag all of your equipment, food, gear. You don't necessarily have to do that for Everest or Kilimanjaro or Aconcagua. There's porters and donkeys okay. that kind of yeah. help with that load. So for Denali, you're dragging it and then you stash it so, or cache it. So you will dig a hole dump your gear in for that, you know, section and then bury it and then go back to the camp. Gotcha. You do that for two reasons. It lightens the load, but it also helps you um, acclimate. Right. So you go up, you hike up and then sleep down low. That's sure. That's the, the game that they're playing. Yeah. So do that a couple of days and you're just kind of staggering. Um, so then like half your, a, half your days without the dragging a sled and then the other half you or whatever your leg of that race because you're going from point one to there picking that up taking it up high coming back so just that back and forth gotcha 
Yep, and so yeah, you're you're doing that, and we we had amazing weather, and and that kind of led into our guys' decisions. But like, the weather is just it's bright, it's warm, it's not too cold. There's like no storms, no storms coming in, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, Josh, the guy who introduced me to climbing, is ahead of me by, I guess, seven days. Yeah. So they're just loving life. They're pushing for the summit. It's great. Um, you can't go that long with, like, great weather on Denali. Like, right. bad weather's coming. Mm-hmm. So as we're pushing up, we're like, man, I kind of wish it would snow. Like, camp one, camp two. Yeah. It'd be nice if we got some snow. <laughs> yeah, just to kind of put yourself at ease and knowing that something's around the corner. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I feel like we got to camp two around, like, day four, something like that. And, okay. Uh, I'm calling it one and two, but essentially it's, camp two is the 10,000, like, foot camp. Yeah. So you're you're at a, like, working level. It's not too high, definitely not too low. And from there, actually, it's 1,100. It's eleven or eleven thousand feet, and then okay. the next one's fourteen, and then seventeen. So, okay. the thing about Denali also is that each camp is separated by about three thousand feet of elevation. Gotcha. Which is your typical, I guess, fourteener. Uh, you're just doing it above fourteen thousand feet. So, like Colorado fourteeners, yeah. you'll have to climb about thirty-two, or yeah, thirty-two hundred feet uh, within like five miles. For Denali, you're doing that in like three miles. Oh, okay. It's kind of like straight up. Just fast. Yeah. Yep. So it's a quick change of elevation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I camped to 1,100 feet or 11,000. I keep saying 1,100, but 11,000 feet. And it's great. Things are awesome. Um, while I'm there, I see Josh, uh, come down from his summit day. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we high five. He's telling me about like just different things to look out for. Uh, that's nice to have him like that at least a little a connection along the way and then some tips as you go like that's gotta feel good doable you see i mean i'm looking at him he he looks like he's put out a lot to get up that mountain and uh he leaves me with the statement of it's gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life for sure but (laughs) you can do it yeah and i'm just like man why would you yeah (laughs) oh here we go yeah so, uh, from there, I guess I left out a couple of, a couple of the big, like, hills. There's Motorcycle Hill, which is, like, a pretty famous part of Denali. Okay. And it's, it's just a really intense incline, that, and you're carrying your sled. What route um, are you taking? The West Buttress. Buttress, okay. Which is yeah. um, the, one of the more common ones, if I'm yep. not wrong. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's technical, but not as technical as that mountain can be. Yeah, so. yeah, cool. Yeah, so Motorcycle Hill is kind of a cool part, but it's also just like you're just going straight up with weight. Um, so you got to bring it that day, and then you get up to 11,000 feet, and then from there you have a couple more like pretty intense hills, and you have the fixed lines. Um, and so that's just lines mm. that have been like, attached to the mountain yeah and you the way that you get up is to use an ascender and your ice axe and 
crampons and you're just like slowly working yourself up these lines and you have to clip yeah. in clip out so you have a safety line that you're always connected to yeah and you have to just like clip in clip out as you like get up the lines and it's really slow uh thank god we had amazing weather because you just if you're on the the fixed lines and, and bad weather comes in it's just like brutal you're not going anywhere sure. you gotta go up and you gotta do it slow yeah so, so so having good weather was great for you guys then at that point in time. Yeah, it was it was amazing. What what's like the most obscure? I know you're in the middle here, but what's like the most obscure thing you like bring that you pack like equipment wise? Um, for me, it was probably the ascender because okay. I never used one. Sure. Just a handheld device that lets you go up but doesn't let you fall backwards. Yeah. Um. And, I mean, the the piece of equipment that I know I need but I actually hate is crampons. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't walk well on those. And so it's just like I'm going to cut through my boots, possibly cut myself. Like it's just – Sure. It's just ugly. Um, but, yeah, so that's pretty much – Okay. Gotcha. The toughest gear. So, yeah, we, we moved from 11 to 14. Um and then from 14 to 17, there's another, like, really big hill. And uh, um, you, you pass these little, like, this little point called Windy Corner. And then there's, as you're going to 1700 camp, there's this, like, hardcore ridge. And if your listeners can Google, like, just 14, 17 camp, they'll see what I'm talking about. But it's it's just like a ridge where you have like a 3,000 foot drop on one side and then even farther on the other it's, it's gotcha it's, it will mess with your head if you like look yeah I'm um, gonna google it as I you're talking so keep going yeah I don't look uh I normally keep my head down and just like try and focus on my breathing yeah um but yeah I just remember passing through that being like man one wrong step and this is gonna be a brutal fall like dude I'm uh oh that sounds so, terrifying <laughs> yeah you pass this little ridge and it, i mean it's small enough where like if someone's going the opposite way you have to stop get out of the way okay. and let them pass like it's not there's not enough room for two people uh oh my gosh i forgot the most important thing about this you are clipped into a person so like there's about 50 to 100 feet of rope in between you and the person in front of you and that's to help with like if you did fall in a crevasse like the person in front and the person in back can potentially help you from falling too far um yeah it but it becomes tougher with the sled so you have the sled and then you also have to like work your stride with your team so okay. if you were on a team of people like that are six five and you're five nine. You've got a few more extra worked. steps to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get worked really quick. Uh, and so that that's a tough thing that I had never experienced, like on a big mountain like that. Like I'm five nine, and I, the guy in front of me happened to be like six three, mm. and he's just a go getter. And so like every step, <laughs> sweet. I'm having, like, correct. Yeah, it's just miserable. <laughs> so but, shouldn't um, you have technically been in front then? Uh, 
would that have uh, that would have made things even worse? From a chain standpoint, you would want your. If I was creating the bottom line, you'd want me in the middle. Okay. Like if I was cre- creating the baseline, you'd want me in the middle. But gotcha. That's also just a terrible place to be as well. But um, yeah. Uh, because people do fall in, like they'll punch through. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, I guess I'm pulling you out. Here we go. Oof. Um, but yeah, so 17 camp was amazing. You start to feel the altitude for sure at 17,000 feet. Yeah. Um, Just the same head stuff, the same, that same. Yeah, I guess I could tell you about that. So 14, so getting into 14 camp, that was the first time I caught like a really bad headache. I had to take like Advil. And it's a headache like, just picture a sharp pain in the back left part of your neck. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what happens when you're having a stroke, but like, I don't know. But yeah, it's like the back part of my neck, left side of my neck, just is in sharp pain. And I'm like, what's going on? And I know it's the altitude. Yeah. Like having trouble adjusting. And at that point in time, there's really nothing you can do. I mean, other than take some Advil and hope it goes away. Right. I mean, your body just has to make the adjustment on its own. Yeah. And the mental game to that is that's the first like I, I was journaling the whole way through, and that was the first like doubt. That was the mm. doubt creeping in. Yeah, so it was, it's not because you. I mean, you still have two more camps. Sure, and if you're already so, having trouble, then yeah, that like yeah mental headspace. Yeah, sure. And when you get to 14 camp, you see the mountain that you have, or the hill. That, it's not fair to call it a hill, but you see this like incline that you have to get through with the fixed lines to get to 17. Yeah. And I'm looking at that with this headache and my legs are, you know, jello and I'm just like in pain. So that's the first time doubt creeped in. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I may not make this. And <laughs> at that point we already had one person drop out. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And so. So then there's, you know, part of that doubt comes in with that as well, I'm sure. Yep. And so it's. And then you've got your, the comment that your buddy made about it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done (laughs) (laughs) sitting there in the back of your head too. So yeah, don't leave your friend with that (laughs) that statement. So yeah, but yeah, so the positive, like positive talk, I had to do it like as corny and as cheesy as it is, like it works. I'm in my tent. Yeah. Just doing like self-help, like positive talk about the rest of this mountain. Yeah. And, you know, like my, because of the hydration thing, like I sweat a ton and we're only carrying two liters of water between these camps. And so like, it's easy for me to like, uh, for my legs to cramp. So my legs start cramping, not like bad cramps. It's just like dehydrated. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I may not make it. So. And are you guys melting your water as you go? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. It takes a lot of time. That's why they're like trying to limit you to two liters because it takes so much time sure. to melt the, the ice to make water. Um, but yeah, so next morning, get up, get harnessed in, clipped in, and get after it. And we didn't have to drag the sleds, thank God. We you know buried the sleds, mm-hmm. all that equipment, and but we're still carrying you know sixty, seventy pounds. So take it up the seal. Uh, get to the fixed lines, work your way through the fixed lines, get to the ridge, and you're working through the ridge to get to 17 camp. I had um, 
had a malfunction of the backpack at seven, like on the way to 17 camp. I, uh, it was really windy, really cold. Mm -hmm. And my mind just kind of got to me. So I started sinking in snow because it's also like starting to get hot. Oh, I can't really get my bearing. Like I can't get my footing the way that I feel comfortable, even with an ice axe. And so I'm kind of losing it. It's uh, you know, it's the first time I said, I can't, I said, I can't get over this, this hill. I'm screaming that. There's nothing anybody can do to help me. Like, I have to get over over this, like, part of soft snow to get to the, the ridge. And so, yeah, I'm like... Is it, like, again, what what was... Battling. Yeah, what was... It's just you couldn't get your footing? You just kept slipping down, or...? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little heavier than the, than the rest of the pack, and I am sliding. Gotcha. And the, like, I'm still... I'm on the ridge, but, like, I'm very close to the edge. So okay. So I'm, like, not panicked to the point of, like, life or death, but I'm, like, it's my oh, shit moment. Like, yeah, oh shit, yeah. This is real. There's literally nowhere else for me to go, but this could get and ugly. I, yeah, and I don't <laughs> Getting down really wasn't much of an option either, I'm sure, <laughs> yep. at that point in time. So, so. so, you know, take a breath. <laughs> the guy's, like, you have to keep going. And he sees me sliding, so it's like he gets it, but he's like, got to get me through there. So I, right. I work through that part to get to the ridge. And uh, as I'm, like, bending over to fix my crampon, I forgot to, like, tighten my backpack so that everything on the top wouldn't fall out. Oh. So my water bottles fall out. Oh, shoot. The guide behind me catches one of them and misses the other, and it just you know, falls 3,000 feet into the middle of nowhere. So I have one liter of water at this point, which is bad. Yeah. I I have a half, but it's, it's like, I have a half and a full liter. Um, But yeah, so he's like thinking through the process, like, is this a no-go? Right. As we're, as we're like walking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I also have a thermos. So that's two liters and then a half. Let's do this. Yeah, guide, you know, he's like, you gotta get it together. We can't stop in this point. You, you gotta be safe. And you gotta, he's like, giving me the, the spiel, and I'm like, oh my god, man, I'm just trying to get to the, <laughs> to seventeen. Like, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we work through it. We get, we get to seventeen camp. I'm like, spent. Both legs are cramping, like my hamstrings and both, <laughs> both of my legs. Yeah, uh, because of the lack of water. And then, um, so we had a chat at 14 camp and they're like, Hey, there's a bad weather storm coming in. We need to decide at 17, like what are, and this is on day eight. Okay. So this is at 14, you're at, you're eight days in. So you're a a week and a day in at 14,000 feet and you've got how many more? Well, you should expect... Two more? 14 to 16 days. Okay. But you, I mean, as far as like elevation, you're, you're trying to get to 17 is your next camp. And yes. then you've got, so, and then you summit. Yeah. So okay. technically to get from 14 to 17, we were supposed to take a rest day. Gotcha. Because 14 is where you start to feel the elevation. You get your first headache. That stuff sets in. Mm-hmm. So you take a rest day and then you go to 17, take a rest day at 17 and then you work your way up to the top give or take a couple days you may have to take more than one rest day sure or a weather day 
so day eight, they're like, hey, there's a storm coming in. We're going to have to decide. And the group's kind of, everybody's gung-ho. I'm in the back like, you know, this is how, <laughs> this is how you get sick. Like, yeah. you do too many feet of elevation, 6,000 feet of elevation in one day. Somebody's getting sick. And it's not going to be the, the cute sick. Right. Right. It's going to be the ugly, violent, <laughs> vomiting, and carried down the mountain sickness. And oh. So, like, everybody's giving their two cents. I'm like, hey, guys, I mean, pace and pace really matters to me. Like, if we're going to do this, we got to keep the pace slow and just kind of work through it. And pace and breaks, that was my whole deal. Um, and so they're like, we'll make a final decision at the top. But the guys are really adamant about, like, you could spend two weeks in your tent. This, this storm coming in could be brutal. Oof. And it was good for them to say that because, like, all the other people are staying. But, I mean, I know too many people that have stayed in their tents for two weeks and just wait. Like, there's nothing you can do. You can't hang out inside your tent. You're just in your tent. They're serving you food in your tent, and you're just stuck. Yeah. And the first break you get, you have to go down. Oh. So they're like... We brought 23 days worth of food, but if you spend two weeks in your tent, there's not going to be not enough to for a summit push. Right. So that's what's in our head at 14. As we work up to 17, we get to 17. And but it's almost like, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I hear, hear you with the elevation, but it's almost like you'd rather spend two weeks in your tent trying than like just calling it and heading back at the same time though right i mean in my head yeah. that's kind of how i'm like at least i yeah, did everything I mean, possible but there's that part but there's also the point of just pushing up so yeah, you can right you can wait it out and hope and then try at the last minute if they have if you have enough supplies right or you can just push and so they were pushing us to push yeah it made sense and everybody was for it i mean they told us hey this might mean that you know everyone here may not make it to the top yeah but it's better than taking on this storm and so yeah man we get up to 17 and they're like nothing's changed in the weather we need to go tomorrow Ooh, baby so that that pushed us technically we summited on day 10 so 10 days like wow. that's really fast comparative like 11 days round trip but 10 up like there's it's just that's a brutal way to do it but yeah and how was your um, how was your uh, transitions into each of those elevation points? And oh you... man, so yeah, seventeen comes around. We leave at like ten a.m. It's bright, kind of warm, and there's this famous part of Denali called um, the Autobahn. Okay. And it's called the Autobahn because I saw that <laughs> so name goofy, come up. Man. Yeah, dude. A lot of Germans have like slid to their death. Oh wow. Like they won't, they, they weren't strapped in. They weren't, they didn't have like a protective uh, harness or anything, and they just slipped. And you slide off the side of the Autobahn, and you know you're going all the way down, you know, over three thousand feet, and you're going to slide into rocks. Oof. And so, I think that's kind of a funny name. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I don't feel that bad laughing about it, uh, but it's got it's, it's got its name though so there yeah. it is <laughs> so that's the first thing you're, you're climbing so you're going straight up the autobahn you know it's it's a push and you can't stop on the autobahn there is no stopping i yeah. tell you that before you go once you start you push to the end 
Period. No jokes. Yeah. Be careful. Don't slide. Because you're also strapped in. So if you slide off the side of this, like, you're strapped into the, the safety line, but you're also strapped into others. So, like, if they're not ready for it, you may pull more than just yourself off the, oh. off the side. So Yeah. So it's a, it's a nice little stretch. Um, you get to the top of the Autobahn. I feel like the name of that stopping area is called Denali Pass. Okay. Uh, you get to Denali Pass, and we're, we're all just taking our first break. So we push for two hours, and that's where we see two guys. So there's one guy who immediately, is, <laughs> like his lips are discolored or whatever, and kind of saying, eh, I have a headache, and also his feet are really cold. And he has on, like, Everest-rated boots, and so it's impossible for his feet to be cold. It's also really warm. So if he's saying and they're cold, sure. something's wrong. Something's wrong. So they're, they're, the guys are tracking it, and there's another guy who, this guy actually lives in Chamonix, which is like the alpine capital of the world, um, and he's climbed a ton of mountains, and he knows he knows he has AMS, and so immediately he calls it out, honestly, and he's like, hey, it's not safe for me to keep going, and so they send a guide to take those two guys down, and yeah, I mean, one of the guys... Wow. Uh, the guy that's from Chamonix, um, he ended up having to go farther. Like he had to descend farther because and, and get on oxygen because his body wasn't adjusting fast enough. So, oh wow! Yeah, it's it's quite the trip for them. Um, but yeah, so we leave Denali Pass, head up the mountain. There's like as this is happening, <laughs> I don't know how to explain the the like the pain threshold. So you, there's certain points where you're just going up for a long time and you're just like, all I want to do is stop. Just give me like <laughs> yeah. a 30 second like moment to catch my breath, let my heart rate slow down and I'll be good. But the guy's not worried about you specifically. He's like trying to stop at a safe point. Right. And so, yeah, we're, we're just following him and there's points where I'm just like praying that this dude is going to stop in the next five minutes because... <laughs> I'm hurting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we get to a couple markers. There's a thing called the football field and you can kind of see the ridge, like the summit ridge from there. And so you, okay. you actually descend on the football field and at that point you don't want to descend. You're just like, if I'm going down, I have to go back up. So I don't want to go down. Yeah. So let's just, if it's not flat, it's a, and then uh, I think it's called Pig Hill. I could be making all of these names up, but I feel like I feel pretty <laughs> confident. Pig Hill's like the last like whammy. Like it's the last thing that's gonna smack you in the face before you get to the summit. And then you get to this little stopping point before the ridge. Drop your pack, and I was there. Like it, it's so weird to think about that and the history behind it, the documentaries that you know, I'd watched and yeah. I mean, what, first, what was, what was your feelings even before you, like when you see that little ridge going up, I mean that you've reached the top after the, you know, the long, you were talking about how you wanted to stop and take a break. So you finally get to that flat point where you're, you know, you can see what you've been working towards basically. That's gotta be a pretty, 
Is it like a refill of energy or is it just like a means to an end at that point in time? Just being like, let's I get had, up that bad boy. And <laughs> I had that. So I had the, the shot of adrenaline. Um, the guy that I knew from a previous climb, we were talking the whole time. Um, and he's like, oh, there's, there's the summit. Can you see it? I saw it and I got just a jolt of adrenaline. Yeah. Like almost pushed me to cry. Yeah. Like, I felt it. What I didn't know is we're, like, six miles away. I, don't, I really don't know how far, but, like, it's so Yeah, it's still so far, yeah. Yeah, I was like, dude, don't point that out because the adrenaline that I needed is gone now. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I had, like, a rush, and I, you couldn't really tell, like, distance-wise when I saw it, like, how far it was, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I still have to go down and then back up. Oof. And so... You get to the top, and that's where the second adrenaline like rush hits, and I'm just like, there's a so because of the documentary in American Ascent, um, I just knew that like, dude, black people don't climb. Yeah. There, there is no way that there's been like more than ten black people to summit this mountain. Yeah. And I'm about to be one. Like, right. I, I'm here. Right. So we're on the ridge, and I'm and I ask because they're like, oh man. First off, we have amazing weather, which for all of my climbs, and I do honestly think that that is just God being extremely nice to me. Yeah. Every climb that I've had, it's been amazing weather at the summit. Like, just amazing. Like, I climbed with a Sherpa at Anakankagwa. He summited that mountain I don't know how many times. Mm-hmm. And I just happen to be in the group that, like, is the best weather that he's experienced. That's so cool. Like, that's what he said at the time. Yeah. And same thing for Mount Baker. Killy was amazing weather. That's and awesome. I didn't I didn't have on a puffy jacket. I had on a soft shell jacket at the top of America. This mountain can get <laughs> to negative forty pretty easy. Yeah. And I have on a soft shell black diamond jacket and the guides are like, the weather's amazing. I cannot believe this. I'm like, man, that has been said every summit that I've made it to. And so, you know, I ask him, how many black people have you, because they've all summited Denali, you know, quite a few times. They're all like, none. You're actually the first that I've ever seen on the mountain. Wow. So it kind of got me jacked up. I was just like ready. Yeah. How do, I mean, obviously it's exciting, but how does that, like, there's got to be some pride behind that as well. Like, you got to be really proud of that. Yeah. Um, I have this like weird, weird desire to be like the first in certain things like i love to be like just the rando person on your refrigerator like (laughs) it's it's so ridiculous but i feel like i've made ground once i've like made it onto your my face is on your refrigerator (laughs) and so that yeah that's just you've got a place in my fridge i just need a picture man so my face will be on there make it happen all right that's yeah (laughs) yeah that's uh that's my thing and so like hearing them say that i was just like damn it here we go yeah this is like this is the top like i, I did it and yeah so um yeah we we start to climb up the last ridge and make it to the top and spend like an hour at the top just taking pictures i got some pretty sweet photos um and i'm kind of like a i'm not like eeyore or anything but like i need to <laughs> i'm just not going to be like emotionally like crazy or anything right 
because I also know that most people die on the way down. Right. So like the whole time that's in my head, I'm just like, man, this yeah. is awesome. Getting there is great, but, but yeah, yeah, literally halfway, and I don't do that well descending. So yeah. Um, you know, that's in the back of my head. Like, sure. We're, we're not even halfway done. Like, this is the hardest part's literally coming, because once the adrenaline's gone, and I'm at a like, I'm at a low. <laughs> right. Now I have to really focus on each step. Going right, down. right. And so that's always been your it. your nerve wracking part too. So. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so I enjoyed it, but like I was, I knew like there was more work to be done. So, now at the top, I know there's like some traditions. Do you, are there any that you partake in, or are there any that you know of, or any that are interesting? Um, whether it's like putting something at the top, or um, I don't know, is, is there anything? I mean, I don't want to call it like bad luck or anything, but I'm not taking anything from that mountain because yeah, that mountain like. It's been there for so long, and after I die, it's, I mean, it's going to be there. Like, yeah. I made it to the top. I get my photo. Yep. Um, you know, there's a nice little Department of Interior, um, like, stamp in the very top of the mountain. Sure. So take a picture of that. Look at the surrounding, you know, mountains in the range, and then it's time to go. Like, yeah. There's not really, I guess, I don't make that big of a deal about it because, like, Again, it's halfway, and you've guys still got to get yeah. back down. <laughs> yeah, I can still end up in a crevasse, like, yeah. easily. Yeah. Like, once I get back to my camp, then then the celebration can happen, but I'm not counting this egg before it hatches. Like, it's sure. too easy for, for you to just miss a step and fall. Yeah, and it's staying ready. focused and <laughs> staying yeah. on mission. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, but... That seems like experience too. I mean, I'm I'm sure that the first time you climbed, you had different feelings than the second and third time, as oh, yeah. well. Yeah, the first time I climbed, Killy, like that was the first mountain I ever climbed, and I had no, not one clue about scree or walking down a mountain. Right. So, I mean, or how difficult it was going to be. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just a painful experience that i never forgot yeah sure and i mean I, there's no scree or loose rock on denali it's just all ice but still it's hard to walk down so i just knew like the hard part's coming i'm celebrating but like not too much sure and so um yeah man i just kind of loaded up got everything loaded and you know there's a ton of jokes lots of laughter mm-hmm um, yeah, the group, I mean, nine of us, six of us made it up, so three didn't, but, yeah, the six of us just kind of lived it up and and then got to work. Let's get down this mountain. Let's yeah. get back home. We're, we're going to be 11 days in after it's all said and done, so. Wow. So you come you come all the way down in a day? Oh, my gosh, dude. It's called the Death March. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> dude, they get you, oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I forgot about that so like <laughs> you get from the summit so you go and that was 20, day 10 so you went from day 8 at 1400 or 14,000 foot elevation to yeah. day 10 which was 20,308 or whatever it was nailed it yeah and then so day 10 the end of day 10 you're walking back to 17 Ooh. 
which is true. So this is, uh, I mean, it's smart. They're doing it because you have from 17 to 14, it's tricky. Doing that in a day could really put you in a jam. And mm-hmm. so walking from 20 to 17 is also really tricky. I mean, you got to go over the Audubon. You have some fixed rope stuff. It's kind of technical. And so you get down to camp, you are wasted. And mind you, I only had um, uh, basically two liters of water. Oh, yeah. You were you were on the low end of all of that. Oh, yeah. man. So I'm like super dehydrated. I get back and... You know, I have the dehydration headaches and stuff like that. And then get to my tent and I am like out immediately, like just knocked out. They're trying to get me to eat and I'm like not doing it. Uh, finally, you know, because the sun never set. So I don't know what time it is, but I, I end up eating. Do you, do you remember that at all? Or is that like just a big blur? Uh, no, just the conversations of why I should eat. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you got to eat because... You know the hard part's coming. Like, dude, we're not carrying you down. Get your shit together. And get down oh this yeah, yeah, that's a good so, point. It's not just about yeah. you. It's about like, hey, bro, yeah. <laughs> carry your weight, man. So yeah, yeah so I take care of myself. Make sure I'm good to go, and then we start from 17 the next day. I can't remember what time. It's like it's got to be around like 12. We sleep in, get up at like somewhere around 12, head down, which took forever and a day to get from 20 to 17 just an awful experience because it was so jammed that's when the other teams because they missed the first summit day the day that we got up they rested and so they're trying to get up as well so we're like passing people on this ridge and you have to stop each time someone's going up you always have to stop for them and so it takes forever to get to 17 same day and the guides, which they don't tell you this before, but the guides are like, okay, 8 p.m., we're going to wake you up, and we're going to start walking, and we won't stop. Like, we won't actually stop until 5 a.m. There'll be a 10-minute break, you know, every so often. You are going downhill, but, like, you're still dry. So we had 23 days of equipment, and we did it in, at that point, 10 days. So we have to dig all this stuff back up <laughs> and carry the food that we didn't use. Yeah. And I mean, you have to carry your poop, man. You can't. You can't right. Everything. It. Trash. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're like pooping in these containers and it's going <laughs> down with you. And it's just like, what the heck, man? This is like heavier than when we went up. Right. And going down the sleds uh, that, you know, they call it like walking the dog, but like it just runs past you. The sled will just run past you and then. If you don't correct it, it starts the gator roll. So it's just a mess. And Oof. yeah, man, we, we get down to 14 and it's game on. You're just walking. And so every so often they would stop. My um, esophagus was burned. Due From the to, cold weather? Or? No, ibuprofen, liquid oh. gels. Never again. Mm. never taking the liquid gels so like every time i drank something i didn't eat the last day i didn't eat at all because it just hurt so bad so yeah. every time i had a drink i would feel it oh man just a misery like you're just like every step gets me closer but yeah and i, don't I mean know how many steps i have temperature wise on this trip what what's the temperature averages 
throughout like the 11 days? Uh, I mean, I, I think it got down to, those are questions we don't normally ask because I don't want to, I don't want to yeah, right. do better without those details, but I feel, I feel like it was every now and then we feel like a negative 10 or something like that. My, okay. my hands were nipped, you know, so yeah. you like lose the feeling in your hands for, you know, three, three weeks or whatever. Yeah. Not frostbitten, but for sure nipped. Yeah. So just like the and, tips or is it like your whole hand? Yeah. Just the tips. Okay. Just the tips. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't have on heavy gloves uh, and we had to stop a few times for like over an hour to fix someone else's gear and yeah i didn't adjust and next thing you know my hands are gone so yeah um it would get pretty cold uh especially when we stopped and then yeah man on the way out you're just going here's another question i have what's like the process like uh do you change clothes at all Yeah, I didn't figure. You're just wearing the same pants. Yeah. Every day, and I mean, I brought three pair of underwear and a few pair of socks, and so you start flipping your underwear inside out and all that fun stuff. Yeah, well, um, is that like? I mean, even, but even changing in your tents. I mean, I'm sure there's a temperature change, but that's got to be just a process and an experience in and of itself, right? Yeah, I smelled awful. And, <laughs> well of course <laughs> uh, and yeah the, the sweat that you like just have caking on your body while you're yeah. going and then you stop and it gets super cold and yeah, it's, yeah same pair of pants one pair of pants the whole time uh, I had three nope I had two like hoodies that I was wearing just alternating sure and then yeah underwear and socks you're just, nice. you're just going what kind of socks do you do you take on a trip like that? Uh, the brand that I use is Darn Tough. Yeah, I like those. Uh, yeah, really good. And inserts are just regular REI inserts. Okay. Yeah, I love those Darn Tough socks. They're so good. Yeah. And then they've got like a warranty, I think, right? Like they, if they get a hole or if they rip or anything, you just send them in and they send you another one. Like yep. send you a new pair. Yeah. So, like uh, lifetime. At Rock and Cagua, I had cheap socks. And it cost me the back of my heels. Oof. Like day four, my heels are like wide open. <laughs> yeah. Do you <laughs> use like a slip in the inside? I know some people put like a yeah like a slip sock, right? Yeah. I had six thousand meter boots um, for that okay. for Rock and Cogwell, and then for they were scarpas, and my feet do not do well with scarpas. But okay. for Denali, I had eight thousand boots. Um, they were Las Sportivas. Okay. Cool, cool. Uh, so we are at, I think, did we get to 14,000 feet? Is that what you said? And then it's just a it's just a smooth sailing from there, just a walk down? Uh, not smooth sailing, but, yeah, you're you're essentially descending for a full day. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite the work workout, yeah. Wow. When yeah, you, you just walk, walk out one day, death march. <laughs> and then you get to the bottom. It, it, I'm assuming you just kind of walk into camp, and are there people there? Were the people that didn't make it up, were they still in camp? Uh, yeah, so the guys that we left, some of the groups just stayed, and they were still there when we descended to their camps. And I'm just, I, I, like in my head, I'm like, you guys are going to be here for a while. Enjoy it, but 
man. Uh, but yeah, once you get to back to the Talkeetna Glacier uh, where you started, we got we we stopped at about five a.m. and the guides they they just hold information to keep you from like panicking. But they're yeah. like, well, it's five. The planes don't start flying until eight a.m. So pull out your sleeping bag and your pad and take a nap on the ice. Yeah. They had beer for us, though, uh, which was a we oh, nice. beer, buried it. Yeah, so that was that was a plus. Does it, I mean, I'm assuming things get pretty cold, so is it, when it buries, does it not freeze completely, or how does that work? It wasn't frozen. It wasn't frozen. Know. Yeah, it's a good call. I didn't even think about that. And even, like, your food, is that's all dehydrated probably, right? And then you just boil... Yeah. Yeah, some of it. I mean, for the most part, they're going to, they're actually, like, they have a cook tent and our group. Okay. Because you can't eat dehydrated food for that long. You can't go three weeks doing that. You will never use the restroom again. (laughs) um, So they're carrying, like, fresh food. Oh, okay. Nice. We had, like, a fajita night, a pizza night. Wow. And it's all augmented for, you know, the camp. And that's that's why our sleds are so heavy. But, like, we had a steak night, just four pounds of steak. Like, just get through it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty good. Like, they, they provide a ton. Yeah. So you get down. Obviously, what's the first thing on your mind? Just as soon as you shower. get down, shower. That's, yeah. I knew that was going to be the answer, to but. Back. <laughs> back to the hotel, take a shower. So you fly, you a little puddle jumper a little prop plane out you get to see like the range you get to see the mountain that you just summited it's pretty amazing to see it after you've been at the top yeah and then they take you back to like a little hotel in the in the town and you're there until uh your shuttle leaves back to uh anchorage so and how was how was like getting back down to that elevation um did your body your body adjusts pretty quickly then, or do you have yeah, any side effects? Easier. Yeah, okay. Every, yeah, everything's easier. Once you, like, if you've gone higher than 14 uh, and spent any time up there, like, and worked, like, worked out or anything, like, your body, it'll, it's easier to run a mile. Like, you'll, yeah. you'll do it quicker than normal. Yeah. So, yeah, coming down, you, you just, like, chest out. <laughs> yeah feeling great on top of the world yeah, i'm the best thing around here so yeah it was, it was awesome i mean i still my my um, esophagus was still kind of screwed up but really uh, at that point it's like i'm drinking as much beer as possible <laughs> heck yeah that's like party time like it's it's ready to celebrate your victory of making it up and did you get to reconvene with your friend was it no uh, he had already Jason, yeah, yeah okay. he was a week ahead, so Josh had already left. Josh, yeah. Okay. Got back to uh, Birmingham, Alabama. That's where he's from. Nice, nice. So, I mean, I know you've taken some time to kind of process, like, looking back at that trip. What what did it teach you? What do you feel like you gained or learned from that experience? Uh, man, it's, it's a confidence booster. Like, yeah, you know... Like after getting through each 
of my like tough points, I'll keep moving. I don't quit. I have drive. You know, once I once I have a goal established, I'll do whatever it takes to get there. And so that just kind of I don't know reinforces that. Sure. Sure. Um. Uh. And just like the Denali, out of the seven summits, out of most mountains, Denali commands a good bit of respect it's you know not on the level of Everest but it sort of is like people don't make it up that mountain yeah and great climbers have died on that mountain right um so yeah it's kind of you you can it's not that I'm bragging about it or anything but no I think it's a that's a huge accomplishment it really is and and this is passively or just quietly throw out Denali and I'm like yeah I summited that mountain yeah that's awesome kind of commands a little respect would you i mean what is the what would you say the hierarchy everest obviously number yeah, one everest, denali for denali sure. two and then, yeah for yeah easily two it work-wise is harder than everest there's nobody helping so yeah most people who climb would say that the work involved with Denali is the hardest. Yeah. But uh, just sheer elevation, because Everest is still 9,000 feet higher. Yeah. Crazy. That's brutal. Yeah. That's crazy. So, what's next for you? What's what's the plan from you've done the first three here? You've got four more to reach your ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, I want to climb a specific route on Rainier. Uh, so I got to figure that one out. Uh, and Elbrus, Elbrus would be the next out of the seven summits. Um, and where's that at? That is, I guess in between Europe and Russia. Okay. The Caucasus mountains. Okay. Uh, it's like 18,000 feet up and it's got a big glacier and it's a, it's a bit technical, but, yeah. um, yeah, that's the next one. Do you have a time frame, or are you, you still kind of planning and feeling that out? Next year. Uh, there's some other business ventures that I'm, like, just funding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and these climbs are pretty expensive, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to do Elbrus next year, um, and that's the goal that I'm going to set. Sweet. My friend Josh is actually climbing Everest in March of next oh, wow. year. Oh, wow. Which is, that's a bit beyond my, um my uh, pay grade so yeah and how how do you um how does your body or i'm assuming that the faster turnarounds could be there's probably a peak turnaround of coming back down and then going back up on a mountain like that um that you'd still have some residual benefits from climbing a denali and going in march is oh gosh yeah i mean climbing two mountains in one year above 20,000 feet yeah for sure helped my case yeah um but yeah i probably won't have any residual i mean the training yes but like yeah but actual residual from the, from denali to Elbrus probably sure won't. but josh potentially could for everest yeah yeah he's yeah he's right in the realm i think nice. uh, by climbing in march so and and Thomas, um, if you feel comfortable, I, what is your, how does this, I know you're a, a Christian man, 
and I know your faith is very important to you. How does this uh, affect your faith, like as these different climbs and, you know, the trust and relying on God as you're, as you're climbing these, these mountains? Do you think about that a lot? Is that something you really lean on? What's that experience for you with your faith, your own faith? Yeah, man. Uh, it's it, like the actual act of climbing, it's constant chatter. Yeah. Uh, for me, back and forth with, with, with God, just like, I mean, yeah, dude, it's just really hard physically. And yeah. So, constant chatter, like working through each stage mm-hmm. uh, and trying to keep the right mindset. But uh, once I get to camp, you know, it's uh, there was just a ton of prayer for weather because it's so hard to like climb through bad weather. And so, yeah, just the man, those the climbs bring me closest to God. Like you, you see, in my opinion, you see God's artwork yeah. throughout the mountain. Yeah, like just the artist that, that that he is. But also, like for me, climbing, like the physical aspect, I, I just don't think like. I think the way I'm wired, man, just being able to talk to him and, and what I believe is like having him respond. Yeah. And being able to see it is just like confirmation. It, it just helps sure. throughout the climb, keeps me mentally like where I need to be. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, and then I guess I want to touch back on, you know, your aspirations of being the second black man to summit the seven, what are these, the seven... Uh, summits yeah the seven summits um yeah what i mean i think that you're such a humble guy that you're i know it's a big thing for you um but like what speak to what that means i mean just in a sense of like to the black community as being a member you know being a person of uh being black and 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 being able to accomplish that what would that mean to you? And what do you feel like that kind of says for the black community or says to the black community? Maybe. Man. Well, yeah, I don't know that I'm the spokesman, but I think uh, for me, you have a voice though. And I, and I'm not saying you're a spokesman, but I think that your voice is important to hear. And I guess that's what I want to hear. I want to hear your voice. And I want, I think it's important for you to speak to that element. It's, I don't want to brush that off. I think that's really huge and really important. And, um, I want to be able to cheer you on throughout all of that, you know, with, with the, the climb itself and, um, accomplishing that, that feat. I think it's a, it's a, it's no, nothing short. It's nothing short of awesome and incredible. And, um, yeah. I, I want to, yeah, I want to so like highlight that. I think from the personal and slightly selfish, call it what it is, um, side of it for me. Yeah. Um, it's there. Yeah. Like the goal is there. The, the opportunities there, the mountains there. Why not climb it? Yeah. I'm not bad at it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at high elevation. I want that goal. Yeah. That's, that's like purely personal and for sure a bit selfish. Like doesn't necessarily help anyone in that, like just that thought of it doesn't, but also mm-hmm. the, on the outside of that like it's it's kind of the I guess it's a pioneer the yeah. pioneer he like wants to 
like black people don't climb yeah why is that well i mean an introduction to it like sure i didn't know about i didn't know where kilimanjaro was I thought right it was in Kenya. yeah uh no one like i've just never had anyone tell me about those things i've never been skiing i've never i don't know sure. what alpinism is or i didn't at that point know what alpinism is or <laughs> what it means to yeah. summit a mountain yeah and so i think like that's a a good discipline and a good challenge that like and it's giving an example and yeah it's yeah. it's it's providing an example it's giving a path of saying like look what i did and yeah, you can like, too and being, out, being outside being like challengers challenging yourself yeah to you know commit to something and get up this mountain enjoying the process enjoying the pain enjoying you know the scenery like being able to get in it's like good for humans it's good for it's good for me i know absolutely. i'm not the only one so yeah absolutely that part of it is like that's the part to come i want to be able to share my well, i'm doing it with you but i want to be able to share my like experiences with people who don't know yeah like, absolutely this is a thing people pay a ton of money to do it yeah but also you can get out and do it yep. for less you know yeah that's awesome so yeah, that's it. It uh, what's my appetite for pioneering, but also I'm really looking forward to the um, the share the sharing part. Yeah, absolutely. What would you tell um, if there's listeners out there that have thought about you know starting a climb or doing a climb like this, or uh, maybe they're planning for it, or maybe they never thought about it, but um, now they're intrigued. What would you tell them? What would you say? they've never climbed before i guess uh if it's something they're interested in doing i mean if if this is something they want to do seek advice seek mentorship yeah um like if there's a specific goal a specific mountain that you want to climb or specific like whether it's rock rock climbing gym climbing um alpinism like whatever it may be like get out there and ask others like for advice and for help and then just do it, like, get yeah. after it, like, reach out to me, reach out to someone who has a little experience and build off of that and do it, like, have the mindset to actually put some action to it, like, Absolutely. get out there, get after it, do it until, you know, you don't feel comfortable and then do some more research and, or try and bring someone else along and, and keep yeah. it going. Any resources you would suggest for people? Uh, there's a ton of movies that kind of help, I yeah. mean, even like rock climbing movies, um, a couple books, uh, let's see, Avon Chouinard has a couple books, a Patagonia founder, um, yeah. uh, movies, I'd say, check out things like 180 Degrees South, it's a oh, I love that one, that's like yeah. one of my favorites. That's like yeah. just a like I could just put that on on a Saturday and just watch it and it's it's inspiring it like it touches on so many different things it's really cool that's a really For good sure. one. An American Ascent. Um, I gotta I gotta watch that one. You were just yeah, talking about that Amazon, a couple sure. times and I haven't seen that one yet. So I'll write that um, down. Yeah, and just, like in that genre, there's just like for me, it took watching movies of people doing these things and kind of learning more about the world, learning the names to pay attention to and just kind of move oh Nehru gosh I forgot about that Jimmy Chen and Conrad Anchor oh my gosh Nehru like 
Yeah, M-E-R-U. That's a really good one. And then Jimmy Chin's other uh, movie, Free Solo. Oh, Free yeah. Solo. Another good one. Yeah. Yeah, these are not necessarily about alphanism. No, but they're they're intros to definitely that it's adventure, an yeah, and being. You learn the important names really quick. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those cool. are those are the ones. Anything else you want to say before we close things up? Yeah, I feel like I got everything off my chest. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking this time. I, I know I've said it a couple times, but um, I'm always really appreciative. I I feel like it's a blessing for me to have just guests in general when people are willing to come on. I, I, I really appreciate it. And, um, I know you're a busy man and I know you've, 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 uh, got a lot on your plate and I just really appreciate you taking the time and, and doing this with me. So thank you so much, man. It's my pleasure. Thanks for pulling that story out of me. And, Absolutely. Uh, forward to on again. Absolutely. Sounds great. Thomas, right, uh, I would love to pin you down before I go. The next time you're going, whenever you decide to go on your next uh, climb, yep. will you come on before and kind of talk oh, a little bit about it? I can make that happen. Perfect. Or I can at least settle for the post, <laughs> the after no, the climb. Happen, All right. Sounds good. Thomas, right. thank you so much. I appreciate it. For all of you out there, thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate you listening. Check us out, crazyfaceuno.com. Uh, as well as the podcast is available, as you know, on a lot of the different, the different um, platforms. So check it out. Thank you so much. Love you all. Peace.